0: Good morning. As as, uh, Kelly said, I am not Betsy Beach, just so everyone's clear. Um, Please continue to pray for her and the family, um, if you would, as well. Um, One thing I just want to mention as well is if you were here last week, just want you to be aware that there is an email that went out from the elders about last week. So if you had any concerns, um, please do check that email out if you didn't see it in your inbox, or uh, go ahead and reach out to the office if you wanted to check that out there. So This morning, hi kids, hi, hi kids, hi. This morning, this is a locker room. This morning, because I've heard there's a big change coming for you, right, kids? Like this Tuesday, pretty significant, right? Or for some of you, last Wednesday, right? Some of you already got the change already happened. So I thought we'd take a moment and hear from Coach Pete about the game plan. You ready? So this is the locker room. We're going to have a little little pep talk. You know what pep talk is? I don't. I wasn't really athletic. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't, so I'm going to kind of pretend to be something I'm definitely not. But this is a pep talk this morning to prepare you for what's coming. So before we get going, we're going to do a little kind of warm-up kids, okay? Is there, are there any kids that love push-ups or sit-ups or jumping jacks? Any kids? I see some adults back there. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> uh, can, I, can I get like two kids that would be willing to come up here just to, just to help us out with that? Just quick, just come on up. We got, we got one right here. We got one more. All right, come on up. Come on up. And then I'd like all the other kids to stand up. Oh, yes, please come up. Come up. We, we can take three. That's fine. Three is enough. That's good. Okay, so I want all the other kids to stand up as well, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to blow my whistle, and you need to do five push-ups, five sit-ups, and five jumpy jacks, okay? Five push-ups, five sit-ups, five jumpy jacks, okay? Here we go. Three, two, one, go, go. Five push-ups, five push-ups. Come on, go, let's go. Five push-ups, now five sit-ups. Five sit-ups, let's go. Very well, nice, 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 nice. Five sit-ups, thank you, Miss Lori, phenomenal, awesome. Now five, excellent, excellent form, good form. Great form, excellent. All right, give him a hand, give him a hand. Nice job. Great form. All right, you can have a seat, you can have a seat, thank you very much, thank you. All right, give high fives, high fives all around. Locker room high fives. That's right. All right. This is the locker room. Game day is Tuesday. Also, adults, you're in on this too. I don't know about you, but maybe some of you, some things are changing at work. Maybe you have to do some more in person now. Like the return to work is kind of shifting. I don't know. Or maybe your schedule's changing as well. Or maybe you got some other things coming. Fall means a lot for everyone, doesn't it? Weather changes. We all are impacted by that. So, let's prepare for this week. Here's my question for you all. Why are you here? What is your purpose? Seven billion people in the world, why are you here? What is your why? It's a common question today among just secular world. What's my why? Why are you here? Think about that for a second, kids. I notice that adults love to ask you a question, and the question is this: What are you going to do when you grow up? Right? And many of you have answers to that question. I know what I'm going to do when I grow up. So my daughters would say, number one, one of them is going to be an author. Number two, the other one, she's going to start an organization that helps lost dogs or helps, you know, help dogs that are in need that that's that's what they want to do when they grow up but i got to tell you a couple of years ago that wasn't their answer they had different answers is that the same for you has your idea of what you're going to be when you grow up has that changed i know it did for me i know growing up i wanted to be like a, a missionary and then i went to be a worship pastor then a youth pastor then a discipleship pastor then i was going to start a, a church in south minneapolis and now I work as a consultant downtown. Like, I'm all over the map, okay? So this whole idea of who am I, what is my purpose, I get it. What are you gonna be when you grow up? Anyone, any kids? Wanna say something? What are you gonna be when you grow up? Yeah, say it. Nice and loud. Police officer. Okay, now you have to clap for all of them, okay? What else? What else? Who wants to be, what do, you want, what do you want to be when you grow up? Anyone else? Yes. YouTuber. YouTuber. <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? Anyone else? Let's take one more. Yes. I see that hand. Witness. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah. You want to be a ninja? Yes. ninja. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. A grandma! Awesome. Why are you here? Well, so Betsy was going to preach this morning on a topic that's really near and dear to her heart. And I'm not going to try to redo her whole sermon, but I am going to take a bit of her thesis and take it a little bit of a different direction. But I hope someday that she can come and teach on this, because this is a very expansive, big, huge topic. Okay? So let's look at this. I, I want to say to you that this one thing, that the Bible's very clear. God is very clear why you are here. And it goes all the way back to the first chapter in the Bible, Genesis 1. Okay? So let's take a look at this because I want to show you Genesis 1 right here. Genesis 1 says this. So he's making the world, and he says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let us make human beings in our image, after our likeness. And then, 27 says this, so God created humans in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male And female, he created them in his image, in his likeness. And then it says this, so God blessed them. Verse 28, and God blessed them and said, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Why are we here? What is our purpose? Our purpose is to be the image of God. What does that mean? To be the image of God is very clear. It's very clear. It's about our function in this world. What does that mean? It means this. An image, or also the word could be used, idol, represented the God. It wasn't the God, but it represented the God. It was representing the essence and the presence of the God at that time. It was saying that you are my representatives on earth. Oftentimes a king, when he wanted to rule a nation, he would send out people to represent him across the world. So to be the image of God means to carry the essence, carry the presence of God, be a representative for God. God set up this whole world so that He would do His God things through us. That was the way things were set up. We were set up to be His image, His representation on the world in the world. We were to represent Him wherever we found ourselves. Look at Psalm 8. I love this psalm. It says this. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what is man? What are humans that you are mindful of them? Why do you even care about human beings when there's the amazing universe and all of nature and the son of man that you care for him? And then it says this. Yet you have made him, that's human beings, you've made human beings a little lower than the heavenly beings. And you've crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands, and you've put all things under his feet. So we, as the image of God, are are vastly different than the animals, right? I mean, I know sometimes you kids can be a little like animals, a little crazy, go nuts, right? But we are are different than the animals. We can think, we can have ideas, we can have, we're intellectual in a way that, that animals are not. And so, God has put us, and also here's, here's the amazing thing, God has put us a little bit under God and his heavenly counsel. There's a word in Hebrew called Elohim, and it represents God and his counsel. He's put human beings just under God and the heavenly counsel. That's amazing. So it's like God in the heavenly council, then there's us, and then it's like animals and plants in the world. We are in an amazing position, and we're called to be the image of God, to represent God. And God's plan is to do all his God things, his kingdom things through us. That is how it works. Miracles through us. Bringing restoration through us. But, as we all know, Sin messed it up big time, didn't it? Sin messed up the whole thing. Adam and Eve were like, you know what? Forget this. I want to be my own God. I want to decide what's good and bad, Tove and ra. I want to decide what, I want to be God. I don't want to represent God. I want to be God. And so the whole thing just kind of got corrupted and fell apart. Not totally, but Messed up. And if you read the Old Testament all the way through, it's this constant battle, this struggle of the people of God trying to live out their calling to be the representatives of God in the world and constantly failing and getting in trouble and coming back, God saving them over and over again until one day God's like, I got a game plan. I got a game plan. You got the heavenly council together. I got a game plan. I'm going to send Jesus to the world. And he is going to show all humanity what it means to be human. He's going to be the one that does it right, does it well, does it perfectly. He's going to be the true image of God, the model of what it means to be the image of God. So he does that. And then in Hebrews 2, check this out. Hebrews 2 says this. There is a place where someone has said, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crown him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. He's quoting Psalm 8, right? So this is the New Testament. This is later on. This is after Jesus. So Hebrews is making this point. He's like, God has put all the human beings just a little under him. And they were supposed to rule and reign with God. But then next, check this out. Next part says this. And in putting everything under him, that's us, God left nothing that is not subject to him. We're supposed to take care of the earth and the world and the people and rule for God and represent God. But then, this next line, yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. It didn't work. We messed up. We weren't representing God the way we were supposed to. We weren't living out our humanity, our purpose, the way God Wanted us to, but this next line, but we see Jesus, who was also made a little lower than the angels. He became humanity like, he became human like us. And he was now crowned with glory and honor because what? He suffered death so that, the, so that by the grace of God, we might taste death for everyone. Jesus came and became the perfect image of God, our model. Look at Colossians 1. This is Paul. Coach Paul says this. Coach Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the image. He was the perfect Adam. Adam messed up. He came and did it right. He is our model, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn out of all creation. So why are you here? You're here to be the image of God, or what we call this. You, does anyone know Latin? Latin is a big part of like our, our, of Christianity. It's, Latin's a huge part of like the Bible was originally, in many for a long time was in Latin, and so they called it the Imago Day. It's just another way of saying the image of God, the Imago Day. And I want you to know this: the Imago Day is your ID. That's your ID. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you are the imago Dei, you are the image of God. And Jesus is your model of how to do this. Jesus is your model of how to be the image of God because we royally messed it up. And when Jesus came, his emphasis was on humility and love and compassion and mercy and sacrifice. And then our calling was this, so that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, and that we are to model Christ so that they would see our good deeds, not just be like great good deeds, but that they would glorify God through that. You see, in church, kids, in church, are there a lot of rules? Some of there's a lot of rules sometimes we talk about in the church, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. But the whole point of all the rules are not just that you check the box and do all the right things and do the good things. The point is this, so that we can be used by God to do God things in the world, to bring the kingdom of God through us, through what we're doing. If you want to see God's power in your life, if you want to see him do amazing things through you, if you want to see miracles through your life, it's by following the model of Jesus in being the image of God and representing God in the world. So I wanna get really specific here, because all that's kind of like abstract and kind of like big thoughts and so on. So let's get really practical, okay? So Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Check this out, this is Paul. Ephesians 4 says this Put off your old self, put off that sinful, corrupted self, the self that was all about me, all about all about, you know, representing myself. I was corrupted. It was almost like this. Like you're supposed to represent Under Armour, right? You're supposed to be an Under Armour representative. But then the corrupt self below it, you're actually representing Nike, okay? (laughs) Like there was corruption. Put off that corruption and be all about Under Armour. Get rid of, I'm not gonna take this shirt off, but get rid of this be all about one thing put on the new self and be renewed in the spirit of your minds put on the new self and be created after the likeness of God after true righteousness and true holiness be thoroughly about the image of God the imago dei put off the old self which is corrupt about it's all about you it's all about You know, my way, I wanna be God and put on the new self. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Let's talk about this. Kids, this is a really practical side of things. And it's not, it's not that, I'm gonna give you kind of a list of things. It's not like we just do these things and you're good. This is so that God can move through you if you want to see God's power in your life, if you want to see the power of being the image of God, these are the things that will help you see that. This week at school, these are practical things you can do. And I promise you they will stand out because in our world, it is not like this normally. All right, here we go. Here's the first one. The first one basically says this. Next verse. Right here. Therefore, having put away all falsehood. Let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So, Paul is saying this kids, don't lie. Don't lie to your teacher, your coach, your parents, your classmates. Don't lie. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. Why? Because we are members of one another. Whenever you lie, you break relationship with people. And if we're going to be the image of God and represent God and see God move through us in power, we have to have strong relationships of integrity with no lying. Speak the truth. Jesus knows the temptation to lie. Kids, mom and dad might ask you, hey, did you get your homework done? and you know you didn't, and you know if you say you didn't, you have to stop what you're doing and you gotta go do your homework, right? There's a temptation to lie. When you lie, you break that relationship with your parents. When you're at school, don't lie, tell the truth so that people can see who you really are and connect with you and build deep relationships with your friends. Be the person in school that doesn't lie. Adults, in work, or in your neighborhood, or with your friends, don't lie. Speak the truth, not because it's moralistic or legalistic, but because that allows you to be the image of God and represent God in the world. Don't lie. Speak the truth. Next one is this. Be angry, which I love that verse, be angry, do it, be angry, and do not sin Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. I'm gonna say this tame your anger. Tame your anger. Think about how much happens that hurts because of anger. Think how much damage anger causes. In the Bible, it says that God is slow to anger. That doesn't mean that God gets really angry, but but stay silent. No, what it means is God is literally slow to anger. Like he doesn't get angry fast. And so if Jesus is our model and he's slow to anger, that's what we need to do as well. We need to tame our anger. We need to deal with that anger. Some of you, you get anger really fast. It's something that you need to pray about and work through because it is a fire and it can damage relationships fast. Anger can do so much damage that Paul calls it out here. Now, it's not wrong to be angry. In fact, there are many things we should be angry about, right? There are many things we should, it's good to be angry about certain things. But in your anger, don't sin. When you get angry, don't let that fuel you to sin. You gotta realize, I'm angry right now, what am I gonna do with it? Well, I'm not going to sin, number one. I'm not going to sin. And number two, it says this, don't let the sun go down in your anger, which means this, don't harbor anger for like more than a day. I think it's a super high standard. Don't harbor anger for like more than a day. There was someone in my life who had a lot of anger. She's not with us anymore, but she had a lot of anger. And I remember calling her on it. And this is like years of anger. And I watch this anger like turn to bitterness. And I watch this anger like turn their soul dark. Anger can do that. Adults, you probably, you may, be, you may struggle with this and you, and you may see that your heart has been twisted or corrupted in ways because of your anger. In order to be the image of God and to shine, and let, let God shine through you fully, you need to deal with your anger, tame your anger. I, I don't have time to go into like how and all those sort of things. There's all sorts of ways. Talk through it with a good friend. Obviously, prayer about it, pray about it. Talk to an elder, talk to a pastor, talk to a counselor, a therapist. There's all sorts of ways, but deal with your anger. Tame it. Next one is this. It says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with everyone in need. Basically, it says this, work to help others. Don't steal, but work to help others. If you steal, you don't need to do hard work. And if you steal, it's likely very selfish. Change your heart so that you are not about stealing own selfish purposes, but you're actually working to help other people. I have a really stupid example, but I'm going to share it anyway. So when I was in high school, I, I was in German class, and this is when the internet was just kind of starting to come out, and I was supposed to write a paper in German. I did not write a paper in German. I wrote it in English. Then I copied and pasted it into a translating website and then put it out there and I turned it in. I am not proud of this. But this was selfish. I, in some ways, stole that grade. Now I gotta see anyway, because internet's fault. But, <laughs> but I stole that grade. And it hurt my ability to help other people with German. That's a stupid example. I don't often have to help people with German. But that's how it works. It's like when I don't do the work, when I don't do honest work, I don't build up my competency to help other people. Don't steal. Don't steal homework. Don't steal answers. Don't steal at work. Don't steal money. Not just because it's legalistic, not just because of some good morals, but because you are the image of God and God wants to work through you. And if you want to see his power, don't steal. Work to help other people. Next passage, next next verse says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Build up. Be the kid at school, the work, the person in your neighborhood, the person at work who builds people up. I took this on in fifth grade. I became the most annoying kid in gym. Why? Because what I did is I like we. we were doing, I, I have this distinct memory. We were doing pull-ups, and I decided I was going to cheer on every single kid. So I was the only voice in that gym going, "Go, Tommy! Go! You can do it!" And we, I was, you know. But here's the cool thing: no one, no one like got down on me for that. It was weird. It was odd. But I chose, like, very specifically to be the build-up person. Also this, as you walk the halls at school, at work, in your neighborhood, you are going to hear corrupting talk. Dirty talk, obscene talk, gross talk. Don't be a part of it. Not because it's moral. Not because it's legalistic. Not because it's going to make you dirty. No, but because you want to see God's power in your life. That's why. Because you want to live out your true purpose of being the image of God. That's why. And that stuff gets in the way. That corrupting talk. Build up people and watch God use you to encourage someone. You don't know what, at school, you probably know there's lots of kids who are going some, through some really heavy things. And when they hear you build them up, you have probably have no idea how encouraging that is for them. And how they may see Jesus in you. You have no idea how much Jesus could use this When you choose not to make fun of that kid that everyone else is making fun of, and instead you choose to build them up, you have no idea how God's going to use you as the image of God to bring His kingdom into schools and workplaces and neighborhoods just by doing this. This is this is what it's all about. Next 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 verse. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I'm just gonna put it this way. Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit, Paul is saying to us. God's spirit, I did a horrible job with that, but God's spirit, God's spirit is your badge. He is redeeming you. He's redeeming all things. He's redeeming you, and that's and his spirit is evidence that he's redeeming you. How many of you felt the nudge of God in your life at, like, certain times, certain circumstances? You felt a nudge. How many of you have l- let that nudge go sometimes? where you, you knew you sh- Like, you felt like God was saying, you should say something, you should do something, and you ignored it. I have. But how many times have you felt the nudge and you did it? And how many times have you seen that, like, like, some, like God blew your mind because you— Felt the nudge of the Spirit, and you stepped out, and you did that thing that maybe felt uncomfortable or awkward or weird, and you saw God move through you. When the Holy Spirit nudges you to say, "Hey, build up that person, build that person, speak the truth," when you feel that, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, don't don't ignore, follow, follow, step out. Why? Because you will see God's power as you live out being the image of God. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of this. I've had this happen where, like, I was going through a really difficult time, and someone texted me out of the blue and said, God put me on your heart. I'm praying for you. And they had no idea what was going on. Like, that was, that was miraculous for me. That was powerful You have the opportunity to be the person who sends that text, who says that thing, I'm praying for you because God puts you on my heart. And you know, that is a miracle in someone's life. It builds faith. You are representing God and being the image of God in that moment when you are led by the Spirit. Last one. Last one is this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Be kind. This is a kingdom principle. This is, this is, the, this is what it means to be the image of God. It's to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in heaven, as God in Christ has forgiven you. This does not happen in the world naturally. By the spirit of God as we represent him and be the image of God, put away the bitterness and become a person who is not bitter, someone who forgives quickly and fast. I had an experience actually just a couple weeks ago, This is a little thing, but it wasn't insignificant. There was someone I was working with who he and I connect like every few weeks, and he was, I've noticed he was, like, this is at work. This is, like, this is downtown, with, like, people I'm working with. And he, he was always complaining about somebody. He's, like, ah, this guy, like, he's, he, you know, I couldn't believe how he did this and how he did this. And what's, what's amazing is the guy's, like, moved on. He's, like, he's moved, he's not in Minneapolis anymore. He moved, out of, like, out of the city, and he's not even working directly with them anymore. And he's, like, ah, this guy, this guy, blah, 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 just, you know. And I, f- I had the nerve, I kind of felt this. I don't know if it was a Holy Spirit nudge, but this nerve to go, hey, you need to forgive him. So I said it to him. I said, you need to forgive him. Because I'm watching bitterness, like, corrupt your heart. And then we got interrupted. Someone came in the room and like, it just, like, that was the end. And so I just thought, oh, I missed the upp- whatever. The next day, eight in the morning, he called me and he said, I just want to let you know, I heard you. And I do need to forgive. You're right. I'm going to do that. Like, it was was a little thing in a secular environment where I called out forgiveness in the midst of that. And I believe there was a miracle that happened as I represented God and was the image of God in that moment. Okay, it was small. Did he pray the prayer and become a Christian? No. But I believe the kingdom of God met him at that moment. When you choose to follow Christ as the image of God, it looks a certain way. And it's this here's my last verse Gen- Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is agape, which is love. Agape love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self control. Let's say that together. Ready? Here we go. Agape, joy, come on. Peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That is the life of an image bearer. That is the life of the Spirit. And when you let the Spirit of God bring those things to your life, you will see miracles in God's power. So, We're gonna wrap this right now and I'd like to have Jamie and Lori come up and I'd like to have all the kids stand and what I wanna do is I want to have Jamie and Lori pray over our students that God would prepare them for this week and prepare them for this year and prepare them to be the image of God in their schools. Go ahead, either one.
1: All right, let's pray. Kids, are you all standing back there? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you that you have, you made this place for us to be. You made, and you put us in it as your representatives. What an awesome and incredible position that puts us in to live out um, your perfect goodness in the world that you made. Lord, we thank you for all of the kids who are here and the kids that they will encounter this week as they enter into their school classrooms. Lord, we ask that you would uh, just go with them into those spaces, that you would help them to remember every day as they walk into that classroom or get on that school bus, that they are in such a privileged position to represent you in those spaces, and that your mission really is to restore and redeem, and so all of these things that Peter has just talked about, that you would keep those in the forefront of their minds as they walk into those classrooms, and they encounter the kids who maybe don't have this kind of influence in their life, who don't know you, whose parents are not following you, and they just don't know this sort of thing. Lord, just help them to remember these things and help them to know that no matter how young or old we are, we are all made in your your image, and we all have that work to do to represent you in this world, whether we're five years old or 95 years old. That is still our job, our mission, and what a privilege that is, Lord.
2: And God, we lift up and pray for our teenagers, um, whether their classroom is their home or a Christian school or a public school. Lord, that they um, can be Your image um, in their neighborhoods, uh, amongst their classmates, their teammates, um, mm-hmm. and and throughout. Lord, even if it's just um, one or two points from what Peter brought up of. Dealing with anger or lying um, or even finding that one, one person or being able to open their eyes up to, to encourage um, somebody, to encourage somebody that's down and out or maybe is different from them. Mm-hmm. I just pray that, that you'll um, give them um, just a supernatural power um, to, to love you and love others. And so we pray for them now, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: amen.